What is going on, everybody? It is episode 87 oh, of the Sims man. and Lefko podcast. I'm going to get caught by surprise with these lately. Do you have an 87? Have I, you looked up realistically I've, yet? I've looked up just now four current solid 87s. See, I don't like that you look it up first. You should have to like come off the top of your head Well, the first, first 87 that I thought of was Todd Pixton. Right, yeah, because um, I would think of him over Gronkowski. Gronk is the number one. <laughs> Kelsey. Kelsey. C.J. Fedorowicz, if you want to go another tight end. That's another good Sterling one. Sterling Shepard. Oh, okay. And Jordy Nelson. Oh, and then uh, I also thought of an 87. Wasn't Joe Horn 87, the receiver who took the... Four, uh, the Man, pump? my first thought is that he's 80, not 87. Um, Are you looking it up or no? Uh, yeah, I mean, do you want to look it up? Okay. You have a computer. I am. I wasn't All right, sure. get after it. Uh, it's funny they mentioned Joe Horn. I uh, was right, 87. Good for you. Yeah, good. Um, another 87, Willie Davis. Uh, of the Browns and Packers from back in the day. Uh, Fendrick is not here. Surprise, surprise. He's still in California. I'm going to be doing uh, sideline reporting for a high school game on Saturday. That's going to be kind of funny. I'm actually going to check that out. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and be ridiculous. Good. Uh, but it's funny you mentioned Joe Horn and the celebrations. I met Ocho Cinco last night right. uh, for an event. Uh, really cool guy. He meets me, uh, Fendrick, get ready to bleep. And I say, hey, man, what's going on? He goes, you interviewing me? You said you interviewed me tonight? I said, yeah. He goes, I f***ing love you, man. And I was like, oh, man, I, what a good energy guy. Yeah. Um, I asked him the one question that you wanted me to ask. Who was tougher? Uh, Troy Palomalu and Ed Reed. He said, man, they were both incredible. He said Troy Palomalu would stand next to the defensive end and run back 30 yards and be in position by the time the quarterback hit his drop. Ed Reed would be 50 yards back, and he's flying up, and safeties aren't supposed to do that. All right. He goes, the one thing, though, he goes, Palomalu never talked, and that was really, really scary. So they that was both, a cool conversation. They were annoying to prepare for, but yes. different annoying. Kind of, He's very right. It, with, with Palomalu, he would dance all around the linebacker spots and move around, and he was a big blitzer, too, so you're like, is he going to blitz? Is he going to drop back into his zone? Is he going to cover one of our running backs man-to-man? And then Ed was like the opposite. Ed kind of just stood back where he was supposed to stand. And just kind of read everything. And then, yeah, you looked away for a second. You drop back. You look at maybe the pass rush. You look at your read to one side. And you go, oh, man, the guy in the middle is going to be open. And you go, oh, freaking Ed's there. Yeah. And he has got no business. He's supposed to be playing cover two on the other side, but he knew the formation and the scheme a little bit. And it was he called Roger Goodell while we were talking last night. Wow. Because he has his number and it was like NFL and he was like, oh crap, and he hung up the phone. Um, but it was funny because we were talking about it last night. I said, you know, you took a picture and no fine. Oa Digizua takes a picture and he gets fined 12000 uh, I wasn't planning on starting here, but I just, you wanted to rant about this before. Why not do it really quick before oh. we go? Jarvis Landry got fined 24309 for hitting a uh, defender. Right. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. got fined 24309 for yelling at Xavier Rhodes. And Antonio- no, no, worse than that. He got fined 24000 for when he scored the touchdown at the end of the Ravens game and took his helmet off. He got, And then Antonio Brown got fined $24,309 for twerking. for twerking. So the NFL is saying that twerking and taking your helmet off are as damaging to the league as a concussion-inducing hit that could cripple someone for the rest of their life. And that's exactly what you're saying, the league. The league's always worried about the league. Let's not worry about the player and the guy that might lose his head because Jarvis Landry launched and tried to take his head off. So yeah, you could take your helmet off 
and then be a guy that tries to take someone's head off and get fain, fine the same thing, which is ridiculous. And then they're going to preach to us about player safety. Let's do uh, one more thing that has in- involved de- uh, player safety. Cam Newton coming out here and saying, I don't feel safe. Sean Payton critiqued the officials and said, the frustration with the system is currently that it hasn't improved. We say it has, but it hasn't. He goes on to say, we're the only league that has officials that have primary other jobs, which is really madness. We can pay these guys. They should be full-time NFL coach officials, and they should be working throughout the week communicating. Mm. And that's what Sean Payton said, and I know Bill Belichick, you've heard him talk many times about, mm-hmm. why don't we have more cameras out there? Right. That's the th- I think Why don't Sean- we have another referee on every team? That's the thing that I will no longer critique the referees that are out there. I will not say they're bad, because honestly, it's an insanely hard job. Yes. But you should not end the discussion with, it's a really hard job. You can have more referees. You can have full-time referees. The NBA referees are Full time. Yeah. They travel the road to go to every game. Repetition, repetition is perfect. Yes. And if it's their job, think about if your job was only to watch and talk about football every Sunday. And Monday through Saturday, you were a gardener. Yeah, you hear me say it all the time. The speed, the size, the veracity of the game, I do think catches these refs by surprise sometimes. And they get out there on Sunday and go, holy cow, Khalil Mack's really... Whoa, wait, I missed seven holding calls because I was watching how awesome Khalil Mack is. Mm. Uh, they get their people, too. It, 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 yes, Sean Payton is exactly right. And the we, NFL says maybe there's a point there. No, uh, no crap. Like, like You mean like you might, might have to spend $1 million extra dollars to... Uh, have full time. Is, this is it's like it's like the Deflate Gate. Like you don't have somebody that's checking the football. I'm beginning to cases. realize more and more with the NFL that we talk about this multi multi billion dollar. They can do whatever they want. They're also really cheap. They're so cheap. And it's um. And if you're going to be a cheap billionaire, and I know a lot of people say that very rich people are typically cheap. That's how they got there by saving money. But you need to spend some of this money now for the integrity of the game. Yes. Uh, the trade deadline just came and passed. Uh, Brandon Marshall had a quote saying that he thought he was going to get traded, and he got a phone call from someone with the Jets. And he said, quote, I was about to cry. I mean, I was literally about to cry. How am I going to go on this show and maintain myself? But luckily, I'm still a Jet. Is the trade deadline a scary thing for NFL players typically? Because there's not typically a lot of trades. Yeah, typically, no. I would say that's not even really talked about in an NFL locker room. I was never a part of one, I don't think, in all my years of playing, where I was on a team where I was just trying to think off the top of my head here real quick. Yeah, that I was on a team where we either dealt somebody or yes. got somebody midseason at this point. No, did not happen. Now, Brandon Marshall, I think it's justifiable. I mean, did Green Bay call the New York Jets? Because they should have. They're stupid if they didn't, but knowing Green Bay, they probably didn't. No, nope, goes back to what you said We're before. We're fine with our formula. Uh, exactly. So speaking of someone that did get traded, that was Jamie Collins. We broke that down on Monday in our short 20-minute podcast. You were saying something to me today that was a very interesting insight into the Belichick-Jamie Collins relationship mm-hmm. and how it goes back to draft day. Yes, draft day. I mean, I'm sitting right out. That's where my cubicle was, right outside the draft room, right? Couldn't get in there. You had to have a key that time of the year to get in. Bill would walk up there during the scouting process like once a day, and he'd have like three huge binders on yes. him, and he'd walk in there, and you could hear the garage door of the the, the cover that covers yes. all the grades. I told you about that. But it is draft day now, and now it's only Bill, Nick Casario, the Kraft family, and Monty Monty, I'm going to mess up his name, Ozenfort or whatever. He's the head of college scouting now for the New England Patriots. And 
this is basically what happened. It's second round. Everybody's excited. See what happens. Who are we going to pick? Blah, 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 blah. And I can remember Nick Casario coming out of the room, like kind of shaking his head. And we had a lot of our out-of-town scouts. They're there for that weekend, right, yes. for the draft. And comes up on the board. We don't know until they, like, we have a computer system that we can log into through the NFL. So we know the pick maybe a minute before it comes yes. on TV. And they, Jamie Collins. And, I mean, some of our scouts who were scouting that part of the country and everything, I mean, they're just shaking their head. What? How do you take Jamie? What? Oh, my God. He, he was on a winless. Right. I mean, we could have got him in the fourth round. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, I do think that Bill, in this case, first of all, was probably a little hurt because he probably goes, man, I was the one that found you. I drafted you in the second when pretty much nobody in football was going to draft you before the fourth round. Uh, he kind of molded him into the player he is, certainly, because he was raw coming out of Southern Miss. And, yeah, from all accounts, it sounds like Jamie uh, Collins is asking for way too much money. And I know how Bill can get when you ask for too much money. I was there with, like, the Wes Welker situation, and he wanted more money. Bill, you've heard me say this, is the type of guy that if he thinks you're worth five cents, he's not paying you six. Yeah. He's not going to pay you six just because he likes you and, like, yeah. you've been a good teammate. No, he's just not going to do that. And I think that, along with Jamie Collins, wasn't maybe dominating quite the years as your test. He's still a freak. For he them to be saying the freelancing stuff and all that, that is a little bit, I think, Bill. You Bill, went back and watched the film, and what did you see? Well, listen, there was a few points. He didn't start, first of all, so that, that's bright lights right away. Landon Roberts starts the game, right. number 52, rookie from Houston, and he's good. So don't, they're not going to miss a ton there. Uh, but, yeah, he, was there a few plays here and there where he decided to take a chance and do his own thing? Certainly. But I bet you there's a few other plays if I went back in, in games and go, oh, he took a chance here and got a tackle for a seven-yard seven loss. Yeah. So, you know, some of that is you got to take the good with the bad. Right. Bill wants to know what you're going to do at the end of the day every play. Uh, and I understand that because when you get to here towards November, December, and you start to play the really good teams, that is what you have to do to win. If you're going to play the, let's just say, the Seattle Seahawks yes. in the Super Bowl, you need to gap integrity. I had Fendrick send in if he had any questions. Right. And one question he had, is it Bill that tells players they've been traded in New England? Oh, that is a good one. Do you think he calls them in the office and goes, hey, Jamie? No. I think Nick Casario probably calls him mm. in the office first. So they go upstairs. They got to talk to Nick Casario because that's where that office is. Yeah. And he's probably going to tell them and then probably walk them down to Bill to where Bill's. Bill a, will say Bill's something. Gonna say, yeah, Bill's a man's man from that standpoint. He's, he's not, not shy He's away not from avoiding anything. any confrontation. Um, do you think that they completely trust? What, what is it like in the. They have the bye week this week. What is it like in the Patriots organization right now? Um. Status quo, okay. Uh, maybe some rumblings in the locker room. Maybe from a players. day or two of like, what the heck was the that? The players are, but the the coaches aren't even batting an eye. And two things, two things. I think you got to take account here. First of all, um, just again, look at what Brian Flores said in his article. Brian Flores is the is their linebacker coach. He's a guy I've known since I was in college. He's from Brooklyn. Here, he went to Boston College. He's one of the best coaches on their staff. But they asked him this question yesterday: Was he freelancing? And he He's this guy, this Brian Flores is as tough as they come. He's not going to mince words. He's respects Bill, but he's yeah. not going to just like go to Bill like, you know, and whatever Bill says and is true. To his right. Way, yeah. So he basically he said, listen, did Jamie call it freelancing? He goes, he goes, I don't know if I would call it freelancing. Did he make mistakes? He goes, yes. 
Do all pl- all our players mm. make mistakes? He said, yes. He goes, is he still an incredible football player? He goes, yes, he's an incredible football player and will be an incredible football player. So that then again it's shows me more. Yes. It's the Belichick Lombardi. Yes. They're going to keep pushing this story a little bit. It's very interesting, right. and it's definitely something to watch on this team going forward. Uh, we're going to get Doug Farrar in a second to go over the NFL 1000 that's going to come out in about a few minutes. But before we get to that, I just want to talk. North Turner resigns. Um, Bradford found out from his wife, who learned from an alert on her phone, no word if that was the TeamStream app, but yeah. it might have been. Um, TeamStream, amazing notifications. Their offense is 31st overall. Mm-hmm. It's 31st in rushing. Mm-hmm. It's 28th in passing. Pa- passing. Yeah, uh, they've allowed the seventh most sacks, uh, and they've scored 20 points in the last two games. Um, I don't care why he left. Unless they were going, listen, we got to fire you, but out of respect to you, sir, we're going to let you to resign. But that clearly didn't happen with Mike Zimmer coming out and being shocked and apparently like tearing up when it happens. Yeah, everything I know is that Mike Zimmer was totally caught off guard by this this morning. So beyond what does this mean for the offense, beyond what's next for Nerf Turner, I mean, this is a legendary coach. What do you think just as a man of him doing this? Whatever the reason was. Yeah, I, I mean, I am surprised that Norv would do this. Um, the first thing I thought about was his son. His son's the quarterback coach. That was just, just to tell you, honestly, that's what I thought of. I go, yeah, I wonder what's going to happen with his son. Is his son going to quit too, or is he going to stay on staff? Yeah. Uh, second thing I thought of is they do have Pat Shermer on the staff. So that's going to be an easy transition. Similar schemes. And it's, it's not really. Pat is going to be more of what Bradford was doing in Philadelphia. He's yeah. going to go right back to that scheme again. Uh, with, I'm sure, some is mixture. Is that better with their offensive line issues? I don't know if that is really. I don't know if anything's better with that offensive Man. line right now. It's yeah. that bad. It's pretty bad. It is. It's like it's gone back to Dude, week they one went or from two five again. 5-0, oh, this could be a really serious team to, like, I don't know if this team is making the playoffs anymore. <laughs> so, no, it's not a joke. I mean, do you think they're going to make the playoffs? Uh, Are I, you if sure? you made me bet, I would say yes. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not, like, sold on them. No, they're going to have a number of close games, regardless of who they're playing, because their offense isn't going to be able to do enough. Their defense this, do, this didn't week, look good either. This week is a good matchup for them, I believe, in my eyes, when I just look at it. The, the defense, listen, I watched that film. Um, the, the defense was not great. Yeah. I, but it was... You know, I didn't come away going, man, this guy and this guy played horrible on right. the Vikings defense. I kind of went away and good, man, Chicago made a yeah. few nice plays, and Dow Logan's, their offensive coordinator, pretty impressed. had a, a great game plan. And I'll tell you what, screw Dow Logan's because he cost me $150. <laughs> hey, other thing, too, that like you hit on a little just with the Cam Newton thing, the big thing with the Cam Newton is... He, you know, and I know we talked about it on Monday, but it, like he just doesn't get the normal calls that the other superstore quarterbacks get. Period. That's all there is to it. Yes, my thing is instead of Jordan laws, we need to create instead of Jordan rules, we need to create Newton's laws. <laughs> and I think we've already seen Newton's laws of physics. But he should be getting more. And I thought what was really interesting to me was to see Cam Newton, Odell Beckham Jr., both both players this year, both stars of the game, the MVP, and I would say the up and coming global star of mm-hmm. football, Odell Beckham jr both have the quote it's not fun anymore and what's really interesting is i look at the way that the nba has promoted their stars and the way they protect their stars because it's always been a star driven league and i look at the nfl and go 
do you realize that by not protecting your stars, you're going to lose those stars? If you don't protect Cam Newton, you will lose him. And unless the, the league office is going, it's okay, we got this Derek Carr kid down in Oakland. The guys will love him. No, but Cam Newton is a, is a true superstar. He dresses like a superstar. He talks like a superstar. He plays like a superstar, and he looks like a superstar. He, yeah, exactly He's right. got everything. Yes. Why risk it? you got to protect him. Because it's, 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 it's not an unfair advantage to, to call the right calls. No. Um, all right, so we're going to get Doug Farrar on the line. Uh, before we get to him, I just want to talk about that ESPN poll that came out today. Oh, yeah. Uh, about marijuana. 226 players polled by ESPN. 71% of players say that weed should be legal in the, in the United States. Right. 22% said a teammate has, they've seen a teammate use weed before a game. Right. Are you one of the 22%? Well, yes, I would be. Yeah, definitely. Seen, seen some really good players. You know who they are. We're not going to out them here. Uh, I almost actually called a few of them to see if I could bring their name into the conversation. Um, but, yes, I know. So a few of them, so more than one. Definitely, yes, on on multiple Did teams. they have to play while high, or was that like a random thing? I Listen, if you would have gave me the choice of whether they should play high or sober, they were the type of people i go, he'd be better high. Stop it. Yeah, he would be better high. He might be reckless and out of control if he's not high. High will focus him and get wow. him under control. Um, in, including this, have you ever uh, had a teammate who you think became an addict because of NFL painkiller abuse? The percentage that was voted was 42%. Which I can't even believe it's not higher, really. I, I mean, I know a handful of guys on every team that battled with that issue right there, taking painkillers all year long because they got an ankle or a knee problem. Another question was, what percentage of players take painkillers regularly? The average guess was 46%. Mm. Do you think that's... So it's almost one out of every two players. I would say, yeah. I would say half the league is taking painkillers. The other half is smoking weed. And then the one that I think I want to get to before we bring Doug on is they asked, would you rather use Toradol, which you have talked about, which is pretty much a numbing agent, or marijuana? 43% said marijuana. 57% said Toradol. And when I told you that earlier, you said, oh, they're never going to get rid of it. They'll never let them get rid of Toradol. Players are addicted to the way Toradol makes them feel before a game. They're indestructible. It's why the game has become so violent because guys like, you know, TJ Ward or Dante Hightower, they are numb in the game. And for them to just run full speed and dive into Adam Lefko's face and knock yes. it off is nothing for them. So how can you be numb but also functioning? Yeah, well, I also think it's part of the reason there's a lot of injuries in football is because of this Toradol. You've talked about the groin injury. The, Your body doesn't have the spatial recognition right. to know how far your Even legs with the, are going. Exactly right. You, they have a, it's called proprioception, right? And I dealt with this because of my injury, so I have a lot of knowledge about this certain situation. But even with like the non-contact ACL injuries, let's take Tyron Matthews last year right remember sure. he intercepts the ball against the eagles right yeah and makes the cut and his knee just goes out it's really because his body is numb because of this toradol and his brain is saying hey foot hit here and you'll be fine but that gets lost in the message system because his nervous system is numb so now the foot hits somewhere else where the brain thinks it's going to be somewhere else and, and he pushes sudden, and then it pops whatever man, acl gun it is very interesting right. because i do not think marijuana can fix a lot of the painkiller issues that these guys have yeah. But I do think that there's a reason why all these players are getting behind it. 
Yeah. I think painkillers are really scary. The study of opioids, we haven't really gone deep. We haven't had them long enough to find out. And right. I think that will be the next concussion issue for the NFL when it happens. That's negative, but and you're really agreeing. I think that might be a big story. I agree. I think in well, I think football in general is in trouble. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised in 30 years from now if we have no more football in, right. in this country. Right. Your dad says it all the time. Yeah. All right, let's go talk about the current game. Doug Farrar, geez, that was so positive to bring you in, huh? Good to have you. <laughs> what a segue. Uh, well, if I could spend a minute planning on that. I talked to Eugene Monroe about this last year when I was at Sports Illustrated. Um, I've studied opioids pretty extensively. Oh, perfect. Um you know, Toradol can shut your kidneys down in addition. There you go. Uh, I was talking to Michael Robinson, who's now at the NFL Network, uh, a few years ago when he was with the Seahawks. He took a, uh, a painkiller that was a diuretic and mistakenly uh, mixed it with ibuprofen, and his kidneys shut down. He lost 40 pounds. Wow, I remember that. in the hospital and almost lost his career. Right. Um, and that was just something he told me kind of happenstance. And, Chris, you know this because you played in the NFL. I mean, it's... They're throwing that stuff around like juju bees. I asked Roger Goodell at the Super Bowl press conference about his stance on medical marijuana, and he talked about our doctors don't think it's right. The science hasn't changed to usual generalities. And when you're throwing stuff like Toradol around and you have a problem with medical marijuana, which is legal in most states, I think this speaks to more of a kowtowing to a conservative point of view yes. than it does any medicinal uh, consideration. I agree. That totally, you're exactly right. I think you're spot on there. You've got 32 very conservative owners who are going, we can't let these, these hooligans go around smoking marijuana. We'll yeah. lose control of this league. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, I yeah. just saw John Oliver do a whole breakdown on opioids and, and things like Oxycontin. And look, I always talk mm. about new normals and how we have this perception. And then 20 years, we look back and go, how did we have that perception? There was a notion that 1% of people that use Oxycontin get addicted. Oxycontin is heroin. People's lives yeah. have been completely changed. But it, to, the fact that the pharmaceuticals, the pharma industry at all, they have a lot more lobbyists, I think, than the marijuana industry. Way but, more. Yeah. They, what is it? It's like well, a, the marijuana lobbyists are probably too relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> They're not taking the issue sta- sitting down. Here, Senator, take a hit of this. That's awesome. <laughs> Come on. Oh, but Doug, what you're kind of, you, you got, it's coming out. What is it coming out? The NFL 1000, officially. Uh, the NFL 1000, uh, the, the Week 8 edition will be out Thursday, and our mid-season grades will be out Friday. Perfect. The mid-season grades. All right, so uh, I wanted to focus on a bunch. Sims and I have kind of looked at it today, and kind of we wanted to ask you some questions about it. For people that don't know, the NFL 1000 has been something that a team of scouts, including Doug, have been watching all the games, going over all the film, and kind of figuring out a rating system and a grading system for how guys are in relation and ranking each other. Other. Uh, one that we found that we just kind of want, we have some questions about. You, Sam Bradford at number three. What did you guys see that, in terms of all the quarterbacks right now, he came in at number three? Uh, you're talking about the, uh, the cumulative midseason grades, right? Correct, midseason grades. Okay. Um, yeah, and the question that everyone's going to ask when it comes out, spoiler alert, is why is Sam Bradford number three and Tom Brady number four? Right. Yes. Um, first of all, Sam is ahead of Mr. Brady by like hundreds of percentage points. 
And I do think there's a bit of a recency bias here. We all know how great Tom Brady is. He came in on his revenge tour, and he's just going to kick everyone's butt for the re- We know this. Um, Bradford came into a new situation with very little time, um, an offensive line that was a problem long before everyone got hurt, really no targets except for Kyle Rudolph because Diggs, Stephon Diggs hasn't, hadn't really hit his stride yet. Um, trying to learn a, a different system and, and North Turner, the recently departed North Turner, um, did put some silly concepts in there, but when we're grading quarterbacks, we're not grading them in a vacuum. We're okay. looking at strength of opponent. We're looking at protection. We're looking at strength of target. I mean, you could put all of Minnesota's receivers together into a Frankenstein, and it would be about half as good as Rob Gronkowski. Right, I so agree with that. We're not we're not minimizing anything that Tom Brady's done, but there were a couple games this year when they were going more with the short passes, less with the play action seven step drop, you know, three vert thing that's been North stock and trade since Dallas in the early '90s, and when the play design fit the personnel there were a couple games this year where you could legitimately argue that sam bradford was for that space of time the best quarterback in the league i think that's fallen off i don't know what will happen with uh, pat Shermer, right but we i think we need to put our brains in the dishwasher over the last two weeks and, and take bradford's season uh as a whole and as a whole, he was as much. To, he had as much to do with that five and zero start as the defense. In uh, my opinion. Agreed with that totally. I, I have no issue with that, and I like to hear that your guys are taking all those things into account. Uh, oh, okay. I, I guess the other one that that jumps out to me, just out of the quarterback position. I mean, first of all, I think we all have to say this. I do think it's very interesting that the Patriots have two quarterbacks in the top ten. I think that speaks to oh, it's not just Tom Brady carrying the load up there. And I know everybody thinks I'm a Tom Brady hater. I'm Garoppolo just saying, at number nine. Yeah, yeah Garoppolo's uh, that offense is awesome in general. But how about Eli Manning being number twelve? Because I would say Eli Manning, uh, at least in the Chris Sims quarterback rankings, would be somewhere between twenty and thirty-two. So I just would like to hear maybe the thoughts on that just a little bit. Yeah, I would probably put him lower. Um, I should make it clear. And I'll, when I was with Football Outsiders, we always used to say we're not a hive mind, and I'll say the same thing here. I'm one of 17 scouts. Oh, for sure. Right. And Kean Key and Fahey is our quarterbacks guy, and I trust him. We go back and forth on things, and I'll say, well, I don't, you know, I watched this and I didn't see this, or, you know, I need to watch that before I can sign off on whatever. Um, I, I would actually probably grade Eli lower, too, especially how he's played under pressure with his targets and with his offensive line. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I would agree with that. What okay. I found really interesting as I was going through the different positions, and it, it kind of goes with the news, uh, before the trade, you guys had Jamie Collins as the number one inside linebacker. So to move and say he was freelancing, according to your guys' rankings, uh, he was kicking ass. Uh, I don't buy the freelancing thing at all. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm with and, you. And here's why. Dante Hightower, who is a fabulous player, and, and it's interesting because, I mean, we're actually having this discussion. You guys got a rough draft of the midseason grades, and it's been my contention we should rank Hightower as an inside guy and, and Collins as an outside guy more on responsibility than positioning. Part of Collins's job is to freelance because he's their coverage linebacker, and he's one of the three best coverage linebackers in the NFL, 
if not the best. You could argue Luke Keekley and a couple other guys. Yes. But part of his job is to freelance. Now, did he have a good game against Buffalo? Absolutely not. He missed some assignments. He blew that one long run play unquestionably. And do I think that uh, Elandon Roberts can fit in to a large degree? Yes. And I'll be happy to talk about him if you want, because that kid from Houston is something else. But to say that he was freelancing, I mean, Belichick refuted it. The linebackers coach refuted it. And I think that's just ridiculous. And I do think that with Collins and Chris Kirksey, who is a very underrated coverage linebacker in Cleveland, and has been so for a couple of years, that's something, you know, I, I don't remember who said it, whether it was Mike Lombardi or someone on the Patriot staff. Someone had said that Ray Horton had wanted Collins bad mm. when he was coming out. He so should. There, there, there is that element of fit that's really interesting. I mean, we, you know, when Carlos Danzi was in Cleveland, he kind of played that same role. So as far as the freelancing thing, I don't know who said what about Von Miller money and why Belichick did it. And, you know, good luck getting that out of him. But to say that, you know, and there's this odd, I mean, you know, this, this echo chamber of when a guy leaves New England, he's automatically trash. Uh, We've seen this with everyone from lawyer Malloy to Richard Seymour. And it's just, it's, it's preposterous. Jamie Collins is one of the 10 best linebackers in the NFL, regardless of position, regardless of responsibility. And the Cleveland Browns should just thank their lucky stars and move along. Yeah, you're you're right with that. It, it hasn't been Jamie Collins' best year, but I, I would agree with that statement totally. He is one of the ten best linebackers in football, and like I, I told this to Lefko earlier, it's going to be what's really who cares about him right now in Week Nine, Week Ten. What they're going to miss him is when it comes to playoff football. Maybe they want to play as creative coverage defenses, like you're saying. And I would agree with you. He's about as gifted as there is as a coverage linebacker in football. They're going to miss him when they have to play the Kansas City Chiefs and they're looking for somebody to guard Travis Kelsey. Um, You know, and I was just on BR radio before this podcast. (laughs) It's kind of my car wash. And I mentioned something, and I'll mention it now. And you guys may remember when this happened in their 2007 season when they were throwing 50 burgers on everybody, yeah. and their defense was legitimately great. Right. Remember about week 13, Roosevelt Colvin got hurt? Yes. And all of a sudden, they were winning by 7 and 3 because Colvin sort of held the air in the tire for that whole defense. Yeah, I'm not sure, as you intimated, that, that Belichick might not have made a mistake there. And again, I've watched Roberts in coverage. He's very fluid, but he hasn't been a starter. I mean, he's been on a, a, a pitch count. So you kind of wonder how that's going to work. Yeah, out. he only plays in base defense, really. When it goes nickel, that's when Collins right. and Hightower would be in there. So you're, you're right. And what's another cool thing about these rankings or the midseason reports is you have, out of the middle linebackers, once again, just to talk about New England, three middle linebackers in the top 11. That's just, it, I don't think people really realize how talented New England just is. Just like they have all those Denver, like the outside Denver, ends the lead. Yeah, right. I have one more question for you, Doug, and this is about the mindset of scouting, and it's a question I think Sims and I have had for a long time. Whether it's pro football focus or looking at your ratings, we get confused on whether it's better to be a playmaker or a mistake avoider. And what made us have that question was seeing on strong safeties, Eric Weddle ranked third. And Sims looked at me and said, I can't name you three plays that Eric Weddle has really made this year, but he hasn't made a mistake. So when you guys go over the grading, this is just more of a philosophical question. Is it better to not make mistakes, or is it better to make a play and maybe sometimes risk a mistake? 
It's a, it's an amazing question, and I was watching some because yeah, I was watching some Weddle tape in, in preparation for this. And one thing about Weddle is, I think in San Diego, toward the end of his time there, they limited him in a way that was unfortunate. And he was always at linebacker depth, and he was all, always, but ninety eight percent of the time he was a box guy. Yeah, gotcha. Baltimore is playing him all over the place. He's at linebacker depth. He's at strong depth. They'll play him at free once in a while. He's yes. not going to be the center fielder, and they're smart enough not to do that. But he's still got all of his closing range. And outside of Earl Thomas and a couple other guys, there are a few safeties in the NFL, even at Weddell's age, with his closing range. What they're also doing is they're putting him in the slot a ton, and he's an outstanding slot defender. And you're right, he doesn't make mistakes. He'll allow a catch, but right underneath that, he will square up perfectly because he is so good on angles. And I think the, I think the answer to that question is: Is it better to be you know one or the other, an explosive player or a mistake? I, I think the answer is yes. And my counter to Eric Weddle would be Tyron Matthew, because Tyron Matthew will whiff spectacularly one of every fifteen plays. Right. And let's say five or six plays will be average in those ten to fifteen. And three will put him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And they understand that in Arizona. And Bruce Arians and James Betcher play to that completely. Yes. In Baltimore, they needed a guy who was disciplined. You know, Weddle would have fit perfectly in New England for that reason. Definitely. Whereas in a place like Seattle, you have not what I would call freelancing, but when they say to Earl Thomas, we have the best athlete maybe in the NFL. We're going to ask him to cover the entire field. We can't expect his hit rate to be 100%. Yeah. They're asking Weddle in Baltimore to be far more contained, far more structured, far more allow the four-yard pass and give him one yard after the catch and then knock his lights up. And that's what Weddle's doing perfectly, and that's why we have him ranked so high. Right. Awesome. Because he's, I, playing, he's playing specifically to what the team is asking him to do. Yeah, I get you. It, 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 these, are, these are hard. I mean, I, listen, I, I don't th- – yeah. even if Bill Belichick made this list, I'd go, Bill, you're, you're stupid. This is wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's just the, you know, the way it is. <laughs> and I don't mean that to, to you or any of the other scouts that are involved. But, yeah, it is hard. It's hard I, to weather the balance that. Because I always look at a guy even at safety position, T.J. Ward of Denver, who I go, yeah, T.J. Ward's going to have a number of bad plays uh, during a season, maybe one or two every game, but he's asked to do things that other safeties in football are not asked to do. He, like you said with the Weddle, at times T.J. Ward will be guarding the slot. He'll be guarding Dante Moncrief on third and seven, and you go, oh, how did he let up that? But he's the only safety in football being asked to put in that position. It's kind of like shortstops. Like you expect expect more of a Jave Baez or an Omar Vizquel or a Luis Aparicio. But at the same time, you're going to allow them a lower hit rate because there's just there's so much more data in that hit rate because there's so much more range. Yeah, I, I would make that comparison. Right, I love it, right. Doug. You are the man, dude. It's so happy. I'm so happy to have you here at BR. And uh, for everyone out there, NFL 1000 is coming out the end of this week. So please go out there and check it out. As you can tell, it is a ranking and rating kind of service in which they're doing it, taking in all the context, not looking at adjusted X's and O's. Doug, you're the man, dude. Thanks so much for joining Doug, us. Doug, you're the man, man. You're welcome to come on anytime, man. Just let us know when you got something hot. You can get on here. Happy to do it. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. See you, dude. Awesome, man. Dougie Dougie Ferrarskis. I'm glad he also weighed in a little bit there with the opioids because I think 
Um, he probably has, yeah, man. He, he probably has stories and more info than we do on that type of subject. Yeah, if you're going around just talking to players, I want to get to a few stories before we start going through all the games and then do top five quarterbacks guaranteed to lose in our pick 'em. And I do not have our rankings right now, but I know what happened in the one game last week. Um, you said something when we were talking about kickers. So we've already talked about ref, we were talking about kickers, and you said, Oh, Goskowski. He's having trouble right now. You know what Bill's probably doing? He's probably standing right next to him at practice and kicking field goals. <laughs> and and that's what Bill would do. Right. Have you seen him do that before? Uh, yeah. I mean, Bill just like, if there's a problem, like, oh, we're having problem rushing the passer, then I'm going to go stand four feet from the <laughs> pass rushing drill on Wednesday and be right there watching it. And, yes, Bill would sit there and be like, I'm standing over yeah, left right really now. Yeah, you're really close to me. But he would literally be like this, like right here. And if and he you're, wouldn't say you're spotting up and kicking right there, and he's just going to stay there. And, and I asked you, I said, do you think there's more pressure on Goskowski to kick in a stadium full of 60,000 people or with just Belichick watching him at practice? Yes, and it's Belichick all the way. <laughs> Trust me, even when he misses that field goal in front of 60,000 people, the first person he's thinking about when he sees that thing is no good is – Oh gosh, where's Bill? Let me avoid eye contact. That's oh, the man. first thing that's going through his head. Uh, it, <laughs> it's you know I, I use the example I've always told you too. The first preseason game I ever played in, um, I got in the huddle and like two plays went by, and I said, "Man, this is amazing." John Gruden's not ten feet behind me, telling me to hurry up, get out of the huddle. Ten, nine, eight, seven. And the game came, and I was like, man, this is easy. I mean, I don't have psycho 10 feet behind me yelling at me or going when I'm dropping back to pass going, oh, you got him. Oh, oh no. Oh, 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 oh. Like the making noises. backseat driver. Right. Ultimate. Oh, right. man. Uh, Josh Huff, wide receiver for the Eagles, uh, was pulled over with a 9-millimeter handgun, six hollow-point bullets in his car, cited for a DUI, received a summon for marijuana possession. Uh, his Quote, he, he accepted the problem today, but his quote to the media was, quote, I'm a professional athlete. What professional athlete don't have a gun? What is your thoughts on that? I think there's a lot of them that do, yes. Um, but, there, I mean, there's still – if there's 53 guys in the locker room, I would say 30 to 35 of them have a gun because you have – So you think half the NFL smokes weed and half the NFL has a gun? Yes. You have inner city, uh, inner city kids, and you have country bumpkins who yeah. all like guns. Like when I went to Tyler Eifert's house, he had a safe filled with so many semi-automatic weapons. There you go. And when I went to, I think Malcolm Matt Jenkins had one. A lot of them have, like a lot of them, like Von Miller. I, I believe it was like, no, we can't show your guns. It was I, just we're not allowed. I, to. I would say the majority do. I mean, I it just I, I can't think of a lot of guys on any team I was on that didn't have guns. Really, mm. I mean, everybody had at least maybe a pistol or something, other than just a random few guys. Falcons at Buccaneers Thursday night. Yes. Uh, two big injuries. Tevin Coleman, Doug Martin still out for the Buccaneers, but the Buccaneers won this matchup the first time. How do you see it playing out this time? Uh, I, I think it'll be a very close game once again. I just don't know. Well, there's nothing elite enough on the Tampa defense for me to go. They're going to stop this rolling train of Atlanta offense right this now. This Atlanta offense is cruising. Cruising. I mean, Julio was banged up, and they were still cruising. Yeah. I mean, is Atlanta's defense good enough to make a serious playoff push? Yes, they're okay. good enough. Because the the other thing, too. Do you think anyone's going to figure out the Shanahan offense? 
you know, they might take a few wrinkles, but creative guys continue to get creative True. all year long. They never True. stop. It's not like Sean Payton hits week 12 and he's like, okay, I'm out of plays. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. Uh, yeah, it'll just it's a constant building of inventory throughout the year. But you were saying about the Atlanta defense. Yeah, the Atlanta before. defense. Wow, I see that you, you want to hear the answer. Yeah, someone tweeted at me that I cut you off too much. Yeah, uh, but the Atlanta defense, first of all, Atlanta's offensive line is better than last year, so they're going to be a more sustainable from that standpoint. The defense is good enough. It's not great, but it's got the qualities that go along with their offense where you go, okay, I mean, I asked you this yesterday. We have a one-game playoff to go to the Super Bowl. It's Atlanta versus the Dallas Cowboys. Who you taking? And I picked Atlanta. You picked Atlanta. One-game playoff. I think Atlanta's offense, to me, when I watch a team that can score on any possession, right. that's a really dangerous team than a team that can Can slow. Dallas get in the shootout with Atlanta and I win? Yeah, I don't feel very confident with that either, right? I feel like, because the thing is, is that I'm realizing with these NFL games, one team takes that advantage hard in the beginning. And the question is, can the other team rebound? Chicago got all the momentum, the Jay Cutler speech pregame, got all the points, and Minnesota is not a team built to handle it. If the Cowboys were to jump out to a 17 to nothing league, Atlanta would be fine. If Atlanta jumped out to a 17 nothing lead, Cowboys might be in big-time trouble. There you go. That's, that's the point. Right. Exactly right. And none of us know who jumps out to these leads. It's the, it's the crazy mystery of the NFL. It is. That some of these games happen, you go, how the hell... Or the Bears up 13 nothing. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Yes. And it just happens sometimes. Yes. yes. Um, Lions-Vikings. Man, the Vikings. I don't know what they are. The Lions, it's another away game, and they're just not the same team away from home. No, they're not the same away team. And then it's, I think, a lot like last week for the Lions. It's a tough match. It's like the Texans. Houston's defense is very similar to Minnesota's it's defense. Very. Does that help in Detroit's preparation? I, I, I don't no. think so because no. they're just I, – I watched that film this morning. It's just – there's it's nothing. Just dumping it out to, to uh, Theo Riddick or dumping it across the middle to Ebron, and that's it. Well, yeah, because they couldn't get open against those corners consistently in Houston, and they'll have the same issue with Minnesota. Mm. Plus, it's a better pass rush than Houston. By the way, Jadavia Clowney is awesome. Uh, and, you know, this is a Lions, Lions team defensively that's yeah. just average enough for Minnesota to move the ball a little bit. Yeah, and the so, Lions have had some serious injuries. We're still waiting for Levy to get back. We're still waiting for... I mean, Nada didn't play last week, no. and that was a complete surprise. Anza is just a guy right now. He's not really the same. I mean, Anza's probably legitimately their third best pass rusher on the team right now, so he's not... The, Kerry Hyder and... And Delvin Taylor. Yeah. Right, so... Um, Eagles-Giants. Oof. I think Man. it's one of the toughest games to pick of the week. Yeah, well, don't pick it yet, because we're going to pick it at the end of the oh, show. Oh, okay. But just Eagles-Giants, the flow of that game. Yeah. Offense, defense. I mean, I, I think about it and I go... Giants coming off a bye. Giants coming off a bye, which is scary. Uh, I, I think about it like this. I go Eagles offense versus Giants defense. I mean, I don't think your defense offense is going to be able to just run down the Giants' throat. Not, at, Not all. at all. Right. The Giants' front is good. I don't know if the Eagles can really run. I don't know either. I mean, uh, to the me... The Darren a, Sproles draw... Someone asked me why are they playing Darren Sproles, and I said because I don't think they can block well enough, and if a guy gets through, Darren Sproles can make him miss. He, Ryan Math, that's... that's. I mean, am I right? No, or? no, you were right. I mean, it's also concerning with Sproles, too, because I'm also just like, man, he got through... And if he could just break one tackle, he's yeah. going to go for 70, but yeah. he gets tackled on the spot. Yeah. Or if the other thing that brought, dr- drives me crazy, like in the Cowboy game, is like he had like a second and eight run, 
right? I can't remember when it was. It was like first or second quarter, but he gets the ball. He runs through. It's a nice hole. He hits the safety at seven yards. You'd like your good running back to fall down and get the first down, but no, he gets knocked backwards. So now it's like third and two. Yeah. You don't convert the third down, and now you punt it out where you go, if we had a real running back, we would have got the first down, and we'd have three more plays. You think Eli will have time to go deep against this Eagles defense that likes to blitz, apparently? Oh, I, I think what scares me more than anything is not whether he has time, but or, I mean, Leotis McKelvin and Nolan Carroll on Odell Beckham Jr. one-on-one, you guys play a hair too much of that. Yeah. And it would scare me. Leotis McKelvin is scary to me on the edge. I mean, he couldn't run with Des Bryant. He can't really run all that great in general. He's coming off a knee injury, I believe. Yes. Uh, that That is a little scary to me, for sure. Jets, uh, they get this surviving win against Cleveland, and now they travel to Miami coming off of a bye. This is going to be awesome. I think that we are either going to see Miami explode heading into the second half of the season, or we're going to have to really temper our expectations to realize one playoff team is coming out of the East. Because if Jay Ajayi and that Adam Gase offense start clicking with that offensive line, and we get to see them against the Jets' D-line that's very strong, if they protect well against the Jets' D-line, the Dolphins are making a run at the playoffs. Yes. I mean, and if they can run on the Jets, Jets have the number one run defense in football. So I don't it's think Jay Ajayi. Ooh, that'll be fun. Yeah, you're going to see that group against that group. Which side do you kind of lean to just in terms of the running battle? The Jets. Just my first thought is the Jets. Yes, the Jets. When you got guys like Muhammad Wilkerson that are your defense at ends at 315, that's that's tough sledding. I mean, mm. it really is. They're, they're, they have tremendous size. David Harris is made for that type of football. Um, but I think what also scares me is if they can just – if the Dolphins have moderate success running the football, the Jets, I mean, how can you – the Jets still give up too many big pass plays. I mean, you saw the first half of the Browns game. I didn't watch that film, but I saw enough of the highlights and everything. I mean, Terrell Pryor had 100 yards receiving in the first half. I saw all those catches. I mean, yeah, Tannenhill can throw it Yeah, better than McCown, better than Cody Kessler. So uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting game. And also the Jets, I know they got their run game going last week, but this Miami front four is really good too. They're yeah. good. I don't know if they can run the ball like that. I don't want to talk about Jaguars-Chiefs because that's bad team, good team. Chiefs are going to win regardless. I don't want to talk about Cowboys-Browns because that's good team, bad team. <laughs> uh, Steelers-Ravens, they're both coming off of a bye. I know. Uh, we don't know if we're getting Big Ben. Terrell Suggs come out and saying, I've seen this before with Big Ben. He, The big dude is playing. Yes, he is. You think he's playing? I do. Do you think we'll get full strength, Ben? We'll get good enough to beat your butt, Ben. That's I know that. I mean, well, it's a hundred percent. I don't know. If but. Ben plays, are you like Steelers no matter what? Uh, yeah, I guess I think the Steelers will win this game outright. I don't know what the line is or anything. I hate that I'm actually even giving you this info because we're gonna make picks later and well, against yeah, the we're spread, and you're gonna use my knowledge against me and probably outpick me, which is what I love about this. Okay, well then here, then here's what we're gonna do. Then because there's only really one, there's only one other game that I picked for the picks. We will not talk about these games. Whatever, I don't give a give a. Well, crap. let me just say, so hold on. But Bills we didn't finish b- the game that talk that game yet. Pittsburgh right, well, Ravens. Talk about it. Well, I, I, th- I don't like the Ravens. Like I, I hate. No, that and team. what do the Ravens do? They try they to stink. physically overpower people. You're not gonna overpower Pittsburgh. No, like, that front seven's not gonna op- overpower Pittsburgh's front four, front five linemen, and and vice versa on the other side of the ball, like. I don't think I don't think Baltimore is going to run the ball down Pittsburgh's throat, especially if Shazier's totally healthy. Like, no, that's not going to happen. Is there any chance that Andrew Luck at four twenty five goes into Lambeau and outduels Rodgers? <laughs> yeah, there's a chance, definitely. 
That's that's a really equal matchup. I mean, it's like the same team. It's exactly the same team. I would. I would Packers have a better defense. Though. I would. Uh, yeah. Only thing I would say is if Ty, if I and felt like Ty line. was totally healthy, whew, that could be scary because Andrew Luck. Yeah, like yes, the the Packers have a better defense. They de- definitely have better pass protection. But Andrew Luck's got better weapons in the pass game when they're healthy. I mean, you put Moncrief, T.Y. Hilton, and Philip Dorsett without Packers' three top corners on yes. the field, that's really scary. But I don't know what T.Y. Hilton's going to be. That's a true injury report game. Yes, it really is. I would lean towards uh, the Packers just because of that and one other reason. And you know my other reason for Andrew, Andrew uh, Aaron Rodgers always. If you can't rush him, I don't care how good you cover his guys. He'll buy time all day long until yes. they get open. So that's where these are the kind of games where – he can work Aaron Rodgers' mad- magic. Titans at Chargers is a very interesting game of two B teams. Yeah. They both have uh, – the Titans' defense has been very good, yeah. and Mariota has been efficient as of late. Uh, the Chargers and Phillip Rivers' offense is always nasty. Right. And their defense with Bosa is starting to bring some pressure. It is. I know. What do you think? I mean, yeah, yeah. my My inclination of that game is I like the team that has the quarterback that can throw the ball more. I trust Phillip Rivers with the ball more than I trust Mariota. Yes. Um, and I don't think – I don't know if the Titans are going to be able to push around the Chargers. Yeah, I think you're right with that. Uh, I, especially with Bosa on that team now and just the ability to, oh, we have the edge handled on Bosa sides legit me bane who plays really good denzel perryman who is just made for this type of game the middle linebacker right and they have a really good run defense i have a hard time believing they'll be overpowered too and then they have good corners to take chances and they have no weapons on tennessee to scare them that's the biggest issue tennessee is if tennessee tried so many years with the kendall wrights and the justin hunters right and none of them hit None of them. Kendall's a good player, but he's not a superstar. No. And, yeah, Casey Hayward and Brandon Flowers are good to cover man-to-man. I think Flowers is hurt. Uh, he played last week, unless he got hurt during the game. I don't know. Well, but, if he's playing, but other thing, good. The other thing I'll say, too, is, like, yeah, that Titans defense is good. You're right. But this is the Chargers defense that's played the Broncos twice. They'll be okay. Exactly. Monday night. Bills at Seahawks. Um, I think the Seahawks are the favorite there. But you said something during the week. You looked at Russell Wilson and said, bro, you need to get out of the weight room. <laughs> yes. What is going on? Uh, I, I just think he, I mean, he's so thick. Look at him. Uh, yeah, but doesn't he need that to take the wear of these defenses pounding I don't him? know. Nobody ever really hits him. He's amazing at also running and never letting get, get hit square either. So maybe just be quick and fast and never let him hit you and you'll be fine. Yeah. But he is so thick. First, the thing that first looked at it, I've, I've, I've noticed the last few weeks, I've just got his legs and hamstring, his ass and hamstring look like they're going to pop out of the damn pants. <laughs> and then he's got a pair of tits on him like he's, uh, like he's been benching every day of his life since he was 12. I mean, and we've seen him in person. You see and you said that it can impact the throw. It, it's definitely. There's a reason you don't see guys like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers real developed up there because they're conscious of how much they lift there. And it's why you don't see really any great pitchers the same way. Might be in shape. But tell me the last time you really saw a rocked-up, really good thrower. I mean, it's really rare. Cam Newton, maybe one of them. I mean, but that's so natural. It, it seems like it is. Cam is. He's just a natural freak. Cam's the kind of guy that could do like five push-ups a week, and he's like, "Hey, Cam, how much you benching? Five hundred pounds? I, I, I did five push-ups this week. <laughs> I got stronger." <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that that. And then this is the other thing, Lefko, that made me worry about the Russell Wilson thing. And I, I realize he's banged up and he's not one hundred percent, but the way he was breathing in the two-minute drill against. New Orleans, I mean, there was one point where they showed him calling the plays, 
and I didn't think he was going to be able to talk because he was like <gasps> giving signals like like I mean I was like holy cow he's going to take a knee here and like have to catch his breath well so, isn't isn't Sierra having a baby so baby weight no knee in shape so he probably hasn't been able to run to get in shape so that way, I don't but. have a kid but there were multiple stories this offseason I believe Carlos Williams was one another player <laughs> had one where they said I put on 40 pounds because my wife had a baby right is that a thing <laughs> yes did it happen to a, you I had a great experience with it in Nashville on the Titans with with algae crumpler oh that's, algae, my, uh, that's al- my body type algae crumpler literally grew another ass during that season okay <laughs> let me just say that he went into the season at like 268. We got to the divisional playoff game against. So they had a baby mid-year. He had a baby mid-year, and he was like enjoying, you know, oh, the wife wants peanut butter and jelly at 1230 at night, then I'll, I'll make it. No, so I'll, that's real? Let me make myself one, too. Yeah. Uh, that's what happens. Yes. Algie Crumpler put on like, he was 290 for our divisional playoff game. Now, he was like a freak in that way that he yeah. can handle it. He's big, strong, thick guy. Did you gain weight when you had a baby? I, I really didn't, no. Well, you're a freak. Yeah, I'm a little weird eating. But, hey, Bill Seahawks can be interesting, just to get back to that. Well, because it goes back to what you were saying. The Bills' defense is very good. Yes. And their defensive line now with Darius is very good. Yes. And if you think the Seahawks are going to score, you're sadly mistaken. Right. But at the same point, if you don't have LaShawn McCoy and the Seahawks can focus on one aspect, that's kind of what I thought about the Viking-Chicago game. I went, oh, man. Meanwhile, Jordan Howard is showing the freak nature we saw at Indiana, and Jay Cutler can throw the freaking football. <laughs> he can, no doubt. I mean, Jay Cutler, the, the biggest player. That's the thing that kills you about Jay Cutler. Yeah, I know. You watch him, and you go, can you do this every week, please? I know. I know. Listen, it, it is. It frustrates me, too. And then I also have my moments where I go, man, poor Jay Cutler. He's never really had an offensive coordinator. yet. Adam Gase. Guy leaves one year. He's got Dow Logans finally, and they might get things on the right track there in Chicago. And they're going to ship his ass out of there and try to find a new franchise quarterback. All right, so let's do top five. Top five quarterbacks. Top five quarterbacks. Chris Sims, top five, number five. Number five. He drives a car. Derek but he flew Carr. to Tampa. <laughs> yeah, Derek Carr. 500. 513 yards, you're putting him fifth? I'm putting him fifth. Yeah, I am. Because it was five quarters. Uh, it was some sloppiness here and there. And I, I'm not just all about like... My favorite Derek Carr play was when he ran for the first down to set up the Seabass field goal to try and win it in regulation. And he just kind of gets around. And he does like a fist bump. Me and you look at him and go, he's awesome. Oh, he's a baller. He's awesome. He is. He's He's... He's the MVP of football right now. I know. Yes, he's the MVP. They're 6-2. and two. They're the Raiders, and every one of the games they've won have been because of Derek Carr and clutchness. And Fourth the, and one, Saints gets it. Right. They get the two-point conversion to yes. win it. Oh, exactly. Right. Fourth and one, San Diego Chargers bomb to the corner 32, of the end zone. Right. Tennessee Titans scramble around and right. throw it around wherever you have to. Right. Baltimore Ravens down. Just absolute field. line drives to right. Michael Crabtree. It really has been him and all of their wins. It is. It's special. Number four. Number four. He, I don't know what I'm going to say. He just, <laughs> he, he just messed up the Seattle Seahawks. Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Yes, Drew Brees was phenomenal in that game. Really? Yeah, he was. I mean, to play mistake-free football, to wheel and deal the ball like he did all game against Seattle. I don't care if Seattle didn't have Michael Bennett or the Camp Chancellor. It's still a good defense. Yeah. Uh, it still can cause chaos. And he was amazing pretty much all game long. I mean, 27 to 35, 77 
percentage, uh, 77.1 completion percentage. Uh, that's a baller. I thought what was it was pretty incredible, very telling about this team is Mark Ingram fumbles and they say no because they're a team that they know that Drew Brees is going to be that efficient that if you're going to make a mistake, we don't need it. We don't need your A-plus ability over Tim Hightower. We right. want someone that doesn't make mistakes. Right. Number three. Number three. Brady Tom in the dildo ball. Ball. <laughs> I saw the dildo on film. It was hilarious. You saw it on film? I, I did. I watched it. I was trying to pinpoint the guy in the crowd, too, because I could actually see in the crowd where it came from. Yeah. He might I think be he in, posted an Instagram video uh, of him throwing Oh, it. he might be in trouble then. But, yeah, it was funny because it was funny to see some of the players just look down and then be like, and then look away and just walk away. <laughs> My favorite part is the referee kicking it. Kicking it off. Oh, man. But Brady was freaking amazing. The thing that's I'm more amazed with Brady than anything right now is – I mean, hey, I know he threw for four touchdowns and 315 yards, but... Should have had a fifth. Like, just moving in the pocket and buying time and ad-libbing plays, those are like things I've never seen Brady do, and he's gotten better now at 39 than he was when he was 31 winning Super Bowls. It's crazy. Tom Benjamin Button Brady, number two. Number two. I'm really stuck between my two and my one here. We'll pick one. Okay, number two. He sent the Green Bay Packers a packet. The Matt Ryan. Yeah, the Matt Ryan game. Matt Ryan was, I mean, through for, I believe, 80% in that game against Green Bay's defense. I understand that secondary wasn't at full strength, but that was still amazing. 288, three touchdowns. And most of all, was clutch when they needed him. And he went down the field and scored touchdowns when they needed it the most. So I got And did it without Julio Jones, like you said earlier. Yeah. Uh, without him being the main focal point. Does that them. mean you're picking a loser for number one? Yeah, I know. You don't know? Of course I know. No. Hey, Rod. No. <laughs> Go ahead. Guess again. I Who's don't like number one. I oh, hate when this happens. Adam can't figure it out. Oh. Um, um, well, uh, if it's not, if you don't have Aaron Rodgers in your top five, one, you're very flawed. I know you're not picking Dak. I doubt you picked Mariota. I do take winning into account. I picked Mariota. You did. I did. I mean, 18 for 22. He almost played a flawless game. He made yeah. some big-time throws. If I'm ever going to give him the number one slot, this is the week. So I'm doing it. Are you impressed with him? Because I kind of talked a lot of shit on Mariota lately. Well, I, I, Mariota has has some room to grow still. Like, he is not a natural at the quarterback position mm. quite yet. I don't know if he'll ever be, like, a top 10 thrower of the football. Yeah. Uh, but still very good. He's a big, strong guy. And having met him two times and being around him, He's just going to keep working at it. I can. He's the Carson it. Wentz, Andrew Luck. I can guarantee that. Put your nose that. down. Yes. And that's the issue we have with Bortles, and that's the issue we have with Cutler. Yes. They just don't breathe it. No. You got you to be all in. The chip's got to be in Look, the middle of the Look, and this is the thing that I think I've realized with fans. Fans don't want their stars to have blemishes. We have enough blemishes in ourselves and our families and our friends. Yeah. The superstar quarterbacks are really people that do not have lives. Tom Brady does not have a life. Andrew Luck does not have a life. Carson Wentz does not have a life. No, not this time of the year. And it's one of those things where you go, oh, I'd love to hang out with him. You, you really don't. They're no. going to be really boring. They are. It's going to be. Do you think Aaron Rodgers is boring? Yeah, especially because he's living in Green Bay. But yes. Man. Yeah, they're not doing anything. Listen, it, 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 Josh McDaniels always put it like Ru Ru Russell Wilson is really boring. It's just they're that's all they're thinking about. And then the, when they're not doing something football, they're thinking about, oh, how can I maintain my body for football? So, yeah, uh, Josh McDaniels always says something to me that it sticks out when I was with him in the year in Denver. 
He's like, it's Tuesday. Yeah, it's player's day off. It's not a day off for the quarterback. Like, you guys mm. get paid too much money. You get all the attention. You better be here, learn the game plan before everybody else. Otherwise, you might be guaranteed to lose. Let's start off with old Believeland. Believeland. Yeah, Cleveland. The Indians, LeBron, they ain't playing. No, you no. guys are Browns. Your run defense stinks. And you're playing the Cowboys. Cowboys. Hello, Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel's going to run right into Lake Erie and not be touched. Uh, All right. Next team in guaranteed to lose. Oh, yeah. guaranteed to lose. <laughs> you just talked about their highly efficient quarterback in his slowest delivery in football. Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles. Hello, Jaguars. We've got breaking news in Jacksonville. Apparently, a quarterback guru is coming to work with Blake Bortles because in week nine, it's time to change your throwing mechanics. <laughs> what? Man. Let's fire the offensive coordinator that developed Derek Carr and leave you with a quarterback's coach that doesn't know what he's doing. Freaking crazy. I, I don't even know what to say, but yeah, Jacksonville. All I know is the Jaguars. Oh, they're guaranteed to lose. Yes, they are. Next team in guaranteed to lose. If you're going <laughs> to San Francisco, bum, 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 bum. tell them that Drew Brees and Sean Payton are coming to town. Oh, my God. They're going to tear them up. Yes. I don't see how that can work. I mean, I just, you know, the Niners run defense things that the Saints can run the football. Do you think Hightower gets more carries or Ingram? Oof. I may or may not have picked up Hightower on my fantasy team. I think he will go back to Ingram. Damn it. I think he will. Knowing Sean Payton, like, he's taught him his lesson. He's going to go back. But, man, just if he drops a pass or fumbles, he's coming out again. All right. But yeah, I got to play him. I got nobody. There's no way that All matters. right. So now we are going to do our picks. Um, I, I honestly, Fentrick never sent me. I don't, I don't know how we did in picks. I just know that we disagreed on one. And you won it. And it was Saints versus Seattle. And I picked the Saints because yeah. I'm a G. You had the balls, and I didn't. I had the huge, the huge kahunas. Yes, I didn't. I really didn't. So, and the game started out like just how I thought. I was like, oh, there's the crucial Earl Thomas Saints in our fumble. Turnover. Huge yeah. turnover. There we go. Um, so we will have an updated rankings next week. We probably did okay. But I'm up now another game on you because I picked right. the Saints. So I've picked five games. I've already picked my teams okay. that I'm, that I'm going to pick in these yeah. games. Uh, we'll start off. Dolphins, Jets. Who you going oh, with? I look. He normally picks like the big name games that yeah. I think go one way. I picked five tough ones. Good, good. I think you should probably pick the games all the time. Okay. I mean, he's not into the NFL anymore. He's into high school managing football. Bleacher Report. Uh, Dolphins, Jets. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Dolphins. I did too. Okay, yeah. I'm just gonna go. I think they're the hotter team, and I, I have too many questions with the Jets. And it comes down to I I don't have a ton of faith in Tannehill, but I really don't have faith in Fitzpatrick. <laughs> and I do not think that the new Meadowlands is a great. Great home field advantage. No, and you know, especially when the game is in Miami, it does. It's really not a home advantage. <laughs> Shut up, stupid little Adam Lefko. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the four straight home game for the man. Dolphins. Those crowd, that crowd's going to be crazy rooting for the Giants of the Meadowlands. <laughs> the Jets will have no home field advantage. Well, uh, take that analysis and <laughs> shove it up your ass. Uh, next one. Um, Steelers Ravens. This one is tough because are you banking on Big Ben being there? I Usually I hate making these picks, but let's do it because it's weird. I, I, I'm with you. I like it too. I'm going Steelers. I'm I banking too. on Big Ben. Yes. I did too. I'm never picking the Ravens again. Again, you're done. I hate them. 
The Steelers are bizarro Chargers. Yeah, can the Ravens... They're not fun to watch. Yeah. They never play well. I mean, if you tell me that the Ravens come out of the bye, the only way that I go the Ravens have a chance is they come out of this bye and I look at their offensive line and I go, he, Ronnie Stanley's playing and their left guard's playing. Right. It's just been it's been so ugly. Yeah. I don't even want to Yeah, talk. they don't have the weapons to take care of the bad pass defense of Pittsburgh. And then we always say it, Baltimore's defense is maybe the slowest in football. They're back yes. seven at least and against that Steelers team. Panthers at Rams, right? I like it. Good one. Rams coming off a bye. Right. They are a team that the defense has been kind of opportunistic, but they've also kind of been gassed a little bit. Mm-hmm. A solid quarterback play with a Panthers team that I haven't figured out yet. Yes. I don't know what they are. Right. I'll go first. Go ahead. I went Panthers. Okay. Um, I just think that the lack of running game for the Rams – the Panthers are going to be able to, to get their teeth into it. And I think Cam Newton can kind of get this thing going a little bit. Uh, I, I'm going the same way. I'm okay. not picking the Rams. I mean, it does – bye weeks can scare me, good or bad, but I usually err on the team being bad. And, hey, one thing you could say, like, all right, first of all, watching that game last week, Carolina versus Arizona, Carolina's old line's healthy. Okay, so now that you get Jonathan Stewart going, pass protection a little bit better. When Jonathan Stewart and the run game are going, then the Cam Newton run game comes along with it, mm. and then comes the amazing, aggressive, down-the-field play-action passing off of that. And, yeah, I'm just going to pick Cam Newton and them in a shootout. Uh, really? A shootout. I think they win like 33-30. I have no faith in these. still the Carolina secondary. I don't. Wow. Carson Palmer will, did throw for 363 on the last week. I will look at the over-under in that one. Uh, I think the matchup to watch in that is will Alec Ogletree's crazy ass get after Cam Newton? Ooh, well, that, because that, he's a kind of guy that would go for a shot. Yes. Uh, he, Every time I watch him play, I go, whoa, who was that? Yeah, he's a freak athletically. Freak athletically, but he also has that, like, I don't want to say he's got that perfect mean streak, but he's got the, oh, someone's going to th- jump into the pile? I bet you I know who that yeah, was. Right, right. Broncos Raiders Sunday night football. Hold on, let me, let me do this one first before that. Eagles Giants, I'm taking the Eagles. They have beaten them four times in a row. Right. It has been three years since I've seen the Eagles lose to the Giants. I'm taking the Eagles. All right. I'm going Giants. I'm going Big Blue. So, Are you? Yes, I am. I think it's, this is a coin flip game. In Philadelphia. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> in New York. Uh, it's yeah. a coin flip. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? Uh, I'm not confident. I just I kind of look at the the Giants offense, and really I thought to myself, I go, I wonder if Ben McAdoo schemed up some new plays in the bye week, and then I started laughing so much that I peed myself. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, th- th- this game. I don't think it's going to be high scoring at all. I think it's two pretty good defenses. Um, you guys are doing a disservice to Carson Wentz after watching that film. I mean, I that, was, that was ridiculous. It really was. I mean, it's ridiculous. Are they just not even sending anybody deep? No, no. And then, the, you know, the two or three times, like, he threw a deep out to Matthews. He dropped it. Or, yeah. Uh, uh, Doriel Green Breckham dropped an in-cut at one point yeah. going across the middle. So those were, like, the limited attempts he had of throwing the ball plus 10 yards, and you guys didn't even capitalize on it. But – why would you not? I don't understand. It's it's the Dallas Cowboys. They can't rush the passer, and they play the same two coverages all game. If that's not a week you can draw up some plays to throw it deep with your million-dollar quarterback, yeah. then I don't know when it is. It's a, that's a coin flip game, dude. I mean, your defense is better. Exactly. So in a coin flip, I'm going to take the team that I'm emotionally invested in. Yeah, go, sure. All right, so Broncos Raiders, um, I... 
This I'll, is I were, awesome. This is the game of the week. This is unbelievably the game yeah. of the week. Uh, let's do picks, then we'll break it down, then we'll wrap up. Um, I'm taking the Broncos. Um, I really want to take the Raiders. I just look at the way the Raiders' offense is constituted, and it feels like a lot of one-on-ones. And I look at the Broncos' secondary, and I go, <laughs> they are built for one-on-ones. Yeah. And uh, I think it'll be a stalemate in terms of the offensive and defensive lines. I think the Broncos will get pressure, but I think the Raiders will do a very good job of blocking. On the flip side, I, don't, I, I think Simeon, that offense, can get it going against this Raiders' yeah. defense. Yeah. Who do you see winning this game? I'm going with the Broncos too. I oh, am. Uh, I was hoping you go Raiders. No, uh, well, we I, both I'm, want I'm the like Raiders. You. I kind of want the Raiders to win too, but I just I have to see a little bit more. I mean, one thing Broncos I know is the Broncos can win these games. Period. I mean, it doesn't matter. The Broncos defense is so amazing; they can win games by themselves. Cool thing in this game is you hit on it a little bit. This Raiders offensive line, pass protection wise, might be the best in football. And now you got the best pass rushing defense coming mm. in football right after you. Uh, I would say Cooper and Crabtree are the best duo in football right now at wide oh, receiver. Let me bring this up. I wanted to say this. This I just got a team stream now alert about this. TJ Ward, when asked about the wide receivers, Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree, says they're two good receivers, but they're not two elite receivers. <laughs> like so it's it. already begun. Yeah. Well, and TJ Ward would be the guy that does that in that locker room. He's the shit stirrer. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that's going to be fun to watch, too. Chris Harris Jr. and Aqib Tlaib on Crabtree and Amari Cooper. I would think they put Aqib Tlaib on Crabtree because of the size thing. Makes sense. Uh, my big thing there is you're going to play too much man-to-man on Amari Cooper with Chris Harris. If I have one issue with Chris Harris, his top-end speed ain't all that good. And so Amari could go deep. Amari can that's go. That's why got TJ. So that would be, yeah, that would be the big thing Because that's my thing with the Raiders is it's nice to talk about Amari and Crabtree, but you think Seth Roberts is pretty good. I do. Um, I, I, th- their tight ends are very average. Um, we, you talked about this after the Falcons game. Their way the Falcons used Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman in space against the linebackers. Yes, they have Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington. Yes, can they do that philosophy against the Broncos? It would have to be a little something outside their comfort zone. They don't throw the ball to their receivers, like I mean, to their running backs, like the Atlanta Falcons do. Now they throw it to them and check down. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yes. is Crabtree open? Is Cooper open? Oh, now it's let me just get the ball to my hand before I get sacked and throw the check down to DeAndre Washington or Jalen Richard. Uh, but I, you don't see a whole lot of designed pass plays for the Raiders. So it would have to be something new, but I would say it's something that they certainly should look at because Wade Phillips almost never adjusts his defense. Man. And he's going to play man-to-man with his linebackers on them. Do you think the Oakland de- – how can the Oakland defense have success against Denver's offense? Like, I, I think they'll hold their own. The Oakland D, like you've heard me say, has been better. They've been limiting big plays. Uh, their run integrity has been better as well. The, the, the Denver O-line is, is healthy, so they can open up some holes. I just think at the end of the day, like, like they do every week, like Simeon will have one or two big pass plays to Emmanuel Sanders and Marius Thomas because you're going to play them man-to-man at some point, Oakland, and they're going to run by you. They, that's just the way it is. It won't be pretty, but I say like the Broncos win like 20-17. to 17. Mm. That's what kind of game I think it'll be. That'd be great. Yeah. I really want the Raiders to win, though. Yeah. I, got, I love when the power shifts. I, I'm with you. And it'll be cool to see. It'll be cool to see the and Broncos sweat the Ra- it out. And because the Raiders will have a bye next week, which Ooh. means two weeks of just Raiders, Raiders. talk. Seven and two Raiders, if that happens. And Khalil Mack has been, I mean, he's always a baller, but. Super baller. Oh, he was amazing last week. All right. So the only disagreement we have this week, as it should be, Eagles, Giants. Big Blue. 
Man. I hate the Eagles. Especially, well, I mean, when I, I hated them when I, my dad was playing. I really, yeah. I used to fear for my father when they used to play yeah, the Eagles. Well, Reggie White. Yeah. You yeah. guys were awesome at getting to the wild card game. Good job. Ugh. All right. <laughs> uh, Steinmetz, you're the man, dude. Thank you so much. Thanks, Steiny. Steinmetz is here. I kind of like him more than Fendrick. Yeah, I do too. You he know, knows, he, smi- he, he laughs at some of your jokes he sometimes. Did, yeah, I, looked I look over and he's smiling, and yeah. I'm like, yes. Right. Oh, that's good. Fendrick's like. <laughs> Fendrick's like in his in his document, like looking at some document, like well, according, to, according to the third cell, it <laughs> says that you need to be here at 846. <laughs> All right. Uh, you guys are awesome. Thanks so much. Uh, please subscribe on iTunes. As always, leave a review. It really helps the show get out there more. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Sims and Lefko, or you can hit me up at Adam Lefko, and you can talk crap about Sims and we can have a good time. Bring it. Bring it. Uh, for Mark Steinmetz, for Chris Sims. Peace out, homies. I'm Adam Lefko. Have a great week, everybody. Enjoy watching Foosball.